Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I'm the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, and also your host, your fine host for these podcast episodes. Uh, Today I'm going to be joined with what is becoming my co-host for these podcasts. You're going to be hearing Dan Stedgman and myself working together on a number of podcasts. In fact, our goal is to get a podcast out each week. And uh, I would say maybe once a month he and I will be joining together. Uh, But today I'll make this quick and jump into it right away. We're going to be talking about the pastor and his preaching And uh, we want this to be not just helpful to the pastor, but also to those of you that uh, just love the church and and love the pastor. You love your pastor. You love the Word of God. You you're committed to pray for your pastor, and you're committed to to hearing the Word of God preached to you. Uh, So we want this to be helpful for for everyone who who loves the church, loves their pastor, whether you're a pastor or not. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and jump into that right now. All right, Dan, my co-host, we've been doing a couple of these together, so I'm I'm excited that we're building a rhythm here. And uh, good to see you. Trust you're happy and healthy. It's great to see you, Mitch. And yes, I'm happy. I'm healthy. The weather here in central PA is great. So praise the Lord. We stocked up firewood for about three months, so we're, we're waiting for that cold to come. Um, okay, so Dan, we're, we're doing a podcast on, on preaching, uh, the pastor and preaching. Let, let's start by interacting together. Why are we doing this? Well, the reason that we're doing this is, is because um, we firmly believe that, that preaching is central to uh, worship, the worship of God. And as we look at the contemporary scene today, it, it's evident that preaching has been sidelined. It's, um, I guess you might say it's been hijacked in place of all kinds of other things. Um, and we'll get into that today. But there's a verse that, that I think really speaks to the times. And that is from uh, the book of Amos in the Old Testament. And it talks about how there's a famine in the land. And mm. what kind of a famine? It's a famine of hearing the word of God, the word of the Lord. And as we yeah. look at the scene today here in North America, here in, in the United States, um, that's the case. Uh, now, there's a lot of good examples, positive examples of um, churches that do uphold the gospel and, and preach the word of God. But speaking more in a general sense, there is a famine in the land, and preaching has been sidelined. But we firmly believe it's a strong conviction that that preaching should be at the center of our worship, and particularly yeah. the, the worship service. Uh, this is yeah. something that is ordained by God. Uh, but sadly, um, <clears throat> preachers and pastors have been unfaithful to their calling. And so, mm. if anything, the hope would be that this podcast would, would encourage uh, preachers or even just Bible teachers in general uh, mm-hmm. to be faithful to their yeah. calling, to up- uphold the, the authority of the Word of God. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, again, the goal here, as you stated, is to uh, really encourage pastors to take preaching seriously. And we're going to talk about how, you know, if they have never done that, don't know how to do it, have slipped away from doing it, then we want to help. Uh, and we also want to instill that on on people that uh, are not preachers, but they, they love the preacher, they love the church, uh, because they too are hungry. You know, when you're talking about a famine, people are hungry for the gospel and they're not getting it. And I, I think that's another reason we're doing this. My, my answer to that would probably, I'm probably reacting too much. I, I talk a lot of when I'm counseling people to the, the difference between reacting and responding. Uh, reacting can be rather fleshly driven. Responding is evoked by, by the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're still, you know, dealing with the same burden or concern, but when you're responding, it's, it's more actionable and more constructive. So I hope that that's what we're, we're going to be able to do today rather than just complain about how bad things are. I think that spirit's already been laid out. Um, but what I am reacting to, having said all that, is recently just seeing, uh, you know, Facebook ads, uh, Pastor, you're busy and you don't have time for the sermon. So we want to help you to do a sermon in 30 minutes, you know. So, of course, you, <laughs> you buy the product. And uh, another reaction, I was watching a large church in our denomination and uh, it was a, a woman preaching and she was, it was about imagining Jesus. And at the end there was a, a, a instruction on, you know, closing your eyes, breathing. And this is a sermon in front of a thousand people or thousands of people. And, and they're to picture a moment Jesus shows up and then they're to draw out what they're, they're seeing. And wow. I'm, and I wrote the pastor and really challenged him and, you know, we had a, a bit of a dialogue, but uh, I mean, that's one of, that happened this week. And I find myself just saying, no, that's not what preaching is supposed to be. And uh, particularly in that case, there's a danger of uh, introducing people to another Jesus that uh, can, can really lead people astray. Um, so preaching's hard work. As you said, it's the main thing. And uh, so we're going to be reflecting on that together. What would you say, uh, someone asked, what is preaching? How, how would you answer that. And let's talk about some examples in the Old Testament and New Testament. Sure. For, for me, um, the, the thing that, that best captures what's going on in, in the preaching event is the words that we find all over the, the Old Testament, what we find all over the New Testament, uh, but particularly the Old Testament, thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the <clears throat> preacher is a messenger He's a regent, um, he's an ambassador, and he has a message from the king. And his assignment, and, and this is a divine task, is to declare that message to the people in, in whatever form. I mean, he's not, not to deviate at all from that message. So this is, this is a high calling. It's a sacred task. And, and one of the the best things that, I mean, this is going to sound so obvious, but one of the most important things that the preacher should be doing is just immersing himself in the text of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So as, as you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, uh, you're, you're reading a book that's really filled with sermons. I mean, it's a prayer book. It's a song yeah. book. It's a lot of other things. 
but this is also a preaching book. And, and we could spend the whole time here today just talking about the, all the preaching that we find in Scripture. But there was a couple, I want to give you a couple examples. Uh, the first one is an Old Testament example. Um, it's from the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 8. This is where Ezra reads the law to the people of God. And it says there in verse 4 that he was on a wooden platform, or some translations yeah. render that yeah. a pulpit. Yeah, first and pulpit he just, mentioned in the Bible. First pulpit. Uh, he opened the book in the sight of all the people. This is the, the law of God. For he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. So there's this sense of, of reverence that the people had for the word of God. And he just starts reading it. I mean, it, this is first thing in the morning, probably like six or seven o'clock in the morning. And all morning long, he's, he's reading the law. He read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. Uh, he gave the sense, that is to say, he, he gave the interpretation so that the people understood the reading. Um, so maybe we could quibble over, well, is that more Bible teaching or is that actually preaching? Uh, I don't think that's, that's maybe a secondary question, mm -hmm. but that's a, a large part of what the preacher is doing. He, he's reading the text of scripture. He's giving the sense, he's interpreting it so that the people understand the word of the Lord. So I think that's a, that's a great example, but of course we could go to uh, the prophets the, the major prophets, the minor prophets, um, what they're doing is, is they're declaring this message uh, from God to the people. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was thinking that the, what, what you have in the Old Testament are sermons. Uh, my, you know, the major prophets, minor prophets are, are written sermons that were given to, to the people. Uh, so when you're, when you're looking for what, what preaching is in the Old Testament, it is the Old Testament in, in large yeah, part, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just filled with sermons. And, and maybe it's not sermons the way that we would think of it here in the 21st century. Um, but that's what it is. It, it's sermons. Yeah. And then, of course, we go to the New Testament, and you've got the most famous sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus mm -hmm. gave, Matthew 5 to 7. Uh, but really, uh, everywhere that Jesus went, he was he was preaching, he was teaching, he was de declaring the word of the Lord. So there's kind of this sense of of weightiness, of of heaviness. Uh, this is really God speaking to His people. And, and I remember one time, I think this was a seminary professor years ago. He would pray at the beginning of his sermon and or no, he would read the passage, whatever he was preaching from. Uh, and then he would say, thus far, God's word. Mm. And at first that, that kind of bothered me because it was like, really, you know, you're you have the audacity to say that what you say uh, to follow the text of Scripture, that that's God's word as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, maybe we could we could quibble over that and and say that well, it doesn't hold the same level of authority. 
Um, but there is a sense in, in which what we say as preachers, um, God says, you know, when, when mm-hmm. God speaks through his word, that's what the preacher's doing. Yeah, we're, we're explaining it. Yeah, we're explaining it. We're explaining it. We're expounding upon it. Um, that's what uh, maybe some of the listeners have, have never heard this terminology before. But when we're talking about expository preaching, we're exposing or we're explaining mm-hmm. the text of Scripture. And, and we want to yeah. shed light. We want to make it clear what's there in the text of Scripture. So it, it should never yeah. be, this is my word. It should always be, this is the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as the Presbyterians would say, thanks be to God. And Lutherans and other liturgical churches will respond to that when they, when they hear the word being read. Yeah, you were talking about Jesus preaching. It, it was his primary mission. He came to communicate. He was the word of God. And there, there's many times in, in the Gospels where he'll say that I must go and, and preach, uh, or if they're describing a, a scene, he, he was teaching. Uh, and, you know, the miracles he did, the uh, compassion he showed uh, was always accompanied with teaching, with preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his primary mission was not to heal. Uh, it, it was to present the word of God, to preach the kingdom of God, to preach the gospel. Um, yeah, I, in the Old Testament, uh, when I said that uh, a lot of the Old Testament is a sermon or series of sermons, uh, uh, I think it's the minor prophets, a number of them start by, uh, in different translations will have different expressions, but that this is the oracle of God, which is uh, actually in, in the Hebrew, I believe, the burden of God. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, God had a burden, laid it on the prophet, and then the prophet laid out that burden of God, and it tugged at people's hearts. Um, and it was always a call to obedience. You know, it was it was uh, uh, elevating God in His glory, uh, reminding us that we're sinners. You see that theme throughout the Old Testament, which should continue to be the themes in our preaching today. Uh, and then a call to obedience, which which comes by way of repentance. Uh, but I'm thinking about Jeremiah. You know, he's he's the prophet that probably was was beat up. If some of you pastors feel like you're beat up, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah was beat up, put put in a pit, uh, really abused severely. But he said this, even when everything was taken away. This is from uh, Jeremiah 20 verse nine. Uh, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot. And for the pastor who has become complacent, there's malaise. Uh, maybe I, there was a pastor that reached out to me with my ministry, and he wanted to help because he was bored. <laughs> and so we talked about how to light that fire again, and, and it comes from being excited uh, for the Word of God and, and deeply burdened to communicate that. And as you said so wonderfully, it, it happens by being immersed uh, in the Word of God. Um, well, let's move on. It's a can, can I give great a, conversation. another illustration here, Mitch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, yes. it makes me think of a great Spurgeon story, and there's so many Spurgeon illustrations, but there was this, this one uh, pastor, 
he came to Spurgeon and he said, why won't anybody come to hear me preach, Mr. Spurgeon? And Spurgeon replied, he said, light yourself on fire. And I mm. guarantee you, the people will come to watch you burn. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I but love there should it. be that, that uh, sense of excitement, like, hey, I, I've got a word from the Lord. You know, you, you should be yeah. wanting to tear down the doors to the church, you know, to get there to, to the people to, to tell mm -hmm. them, you know, God has spoken to me and, and I must deliver this message to you. Yeah, that sense of excitement, yeah. that sense of anticipation, uh, but also kind of the gravity of, wow, this is this is a solemn responsibility. Uh, yeah, yeah. This will be a good time to mention, you sent this to me, Al Mohler's book, He Is Not Silent. Uh, and I'll just read this and, and we can interact around it a little bit. But he says contemporary preaching suffers from, and there's uh, five things here, a loss of confidence in the power of the word, which I believe we've been talking about that. Here's a, here's a tough one, an infatuation with technology. Uh what a church that I'm connecting with, uh, they are avoiding being dependent on technology. Uh, they don't have anything projected. They're a little bit more of a liturgical church, so they hand out everything in the service, the scriptures, the liturgy, uh, in a bulletin. Uh, but when I asked the pastor about that, he said, we, that, that's going to be a distraction, and we don't want technology. We don't want to be dependent on technology. Uh, the other one is embarrassment before the biblical text. Uh, and so one thing, Dan, reflect on this. If you, if you are an expository preacher, you're preaching verse by verse, essentially. And let's say you're reading, you're preaching through Romans. And I've seen some guys do that. I've been tempted to do that. When there's a hard passage, you're like, eh, this is in the text. It's for this week, but I don't want to deal with that. Uh, what do you say to a pastor who is confronted by, by virtue of being committed to expository preaching? He's going to be confronted with something that makes him very uncomfortable. I would say don't skip it. I would say yeah. that there's a reason why. That <laughs> that simple answer. <laughs> How about that for, for profundity? Yeah. yeah. Don't skip over it. You know, it's, it's there. God inspired the text. And if, if you dig down deep in that passage, you're going to find that there are riches there. And, and yes, mm -hmm. the word of God, it, it's sharp. It's going to separate and divide, and, and you might tick off a few people. Um, but your job is not to be a people pleaser. You know, you're not an mm -hmm. entertainer. Uh, we're, you're not a peddler of God's word. It says that in Corinthians. So just faithfully... Uh, preach that text as as best you can, uh, even if you think it it might rub people the wrong way. But if I could just go back, could I go back? To yeah, I was at, I was asked. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, please do. Yeah. So you mentioned technology and and how there's an over dependence upon technology. I think that's true. I remember um, early on in my ministry, and there was an older pastor. Um, and at the time, I guess you could say he was kind of in a, a mentoring role uh, towards me, but he just kept encouraging and almost pressuring me to use PowerPoint. Well, I'm not like, I'm not mm -hmm. against PowerPoint, um, but I'm just not really much of a tech kind of guy. 
And so I, I stood firm and I said, no, I don't want to use PowerPoint. Um, if you want to do that, great, but it's, that's not for me. And I never have. I, I've mm-hmm. never used PowerPoint. Uh, but I, I think that there is uh, definitely an over-dependence upon technology in the pulpit. And even guys that use um, videos, you know, they'll use, in order to illustrate something, they'll use like a, a film um, illustration, some sort of video. I would just really caution against that. Like that, that becomes the focus and, and it, it's almost like we're, we're trying to draw them in with entertainment. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a, a good place to go. Um, so just, a, yeah, I, I think every, every, topic. yeah, every illustration or any support uh, technique, whatever you're using uh, it probably the question that we should be asking is, is this really helpful to understand mm-hmm. the text better? And if that's the primary question, I, I think we're going to eliminate a lot of the things, you know, the clever little things that we do. And I'll, we'll talk a little bit about the role of humor uh, in, in preaching, too. I've got an interesting story. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit because I think we've covered a lot of the things we discussed doing or talking about. Um, and that has to do with the subject of preaching. And I actually wrote a blog about this, and I will post that in the website for this particular podcast. Um, but there's really, there, there tends to be two subjects in preaching. And whoever your subject is, you're, commit, you're committing yourself early on in the message. So if this sermon is about you, or about helping you, helping the congregation to be better at relationships, which, again, we need, the text is going co- to cover things like that, and, and, and those will come up. If the subject is always Jesus, uh, and you begin your ministry with that commitment, I'm going to preach Christ and him crucified, uh, I always tell people, if you cover just you, Christ is barely going to be mentioned. If you covered Christ you're included in that. You will benefit. You will have better relationships. You will have better perspective. You will deal better with anxiety and, and things like that. Um, and this is a difference, uh, uh, and most pastors, of course, know, a lot of people know these terms, the difference between exegesis and isogesis. Uh, why don't you chime in and explain those two terms, exegesis and isogesis? Yeah. So exegesis simply means you're, you're trying to draw out of or pull out of the text what's there, you know, what God inspired the human author of scripture to write. So you're pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the word Jesus is, it's, it's not about the person of Jesus, that it just happens to be that the pronunciation is the same so right uh, just to clarify that. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. eisegesis is is when you're reading something into the text uh that's not there you've got an agenda uh, i remember one mm-hmm. time i uh early on in my ministry i was preaching i think it was from thessalonians somewhere and it was a father's day sermon and so it was all you know principles that that pertain to fathers. Uh, and there, there were some, some gems there and it, it was relevant to that. 
But after mm-hmm. the sermon, I just felt convicted. Like I had, mm-hmm. I had my own agenda and I kind of imposed that upon the text. And so I, I pretty much immediately determined that I'm going to go back that next Sunday, I'm going to preach the exact same text. <laughs> and so nice. I did. It was a completely different mm-hmm. sermon. But did you was, explain to people that you were doing that and why you were doing that? I did. Yeah. The first part of the sermon, mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I, um, I failed you last week. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had an agenda. I wanted to, to preach something for fathers and, and that's not a, a bad desire. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's just, it's an assumption that that you have as an expository preacher that that you are going to to make the point of the passage the point of your mm-hmm. sermon. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, if you take uh, if you take the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and your your commitment early on is this is about relationships and family. This is about how to handle life when you're in the pits, uh, or how to run when you're being tempted. Uh, you, you've limited yourself. If if you look at the story of Joseph as a as a uh, prefigure of Christ, um, and it illustrates in a lot of ways, you know, Christ being rejected by his brothers and crucified, and um, and then the way the way Joseph, uh, you know, handled the temptation was a picture of Christ. Uh, that brings the story to life. You know, mm-hmm. the, the story of David and Goliath is not about five stones of, you know, uh, shooting down your giants of anxiety or financial problems. And the first stone is trust. And the second stone yeah. is faith, you know. Um, I mean, really clever. Those are maybe applications. But that's a story that represents Christ defeating Satan at the cross. And then suddenly that story comes alive. I uh, I preached a sermon on Lazarus resurrection and I thought it was a great sermon so I sent it to my dad and and in the sermon I talked about how Jesus was you know when they said take the grave clothes off as I I use it as an illustration of uh you know unwrapping yourself of fear and take off the the grave clothes of of temptation and and my dad I couldn't wait for my dad to tell me how great the sermon was and he said Mitch <laughs> that's not what this that's not what the passage is about is about yeah. Jesus uh, power to raise us from the dead, you know, and it was a prefigure again of his death and and his resurrection and how, you know, when the when the disciples or the the Mary and Mar- Mary and and the others went to the tomb, the, the his grave clothes were neatly wrapped there, and that that's a picture of of uh, or that was pictured in in Lazarus's story. So um, there's another term that someone a, a guy listened to. Um, called Chris Roseborough. His his podcast is Fighting for the Faith, and it's a discernment uh, ministry. But it, you learn a lot about preaching because he'll take what people are saying in the name of God and compare it to what the Word of God actually says. That's his tagline. But he he has he's come up. So you've got exegesis, which you you read out. You've got eisegesis, where you read in. He's came he's come up with the phrase narcissus. Mm. And and so that's that's the the effort to read in in order to make you feel good, uh, to make it totally about you. And yep. uh, so we're encouraging pastors here to to really look at the 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 methodology, the hermeneutic 
uh, tool that you're using and preaching? And and does it uh, uh, does it promote Christ? Is it is a primary focus about Christ or is it about people? Um, yeah, so that's, anything that's more to add point. add to that? Yeah, yeah. The, so the, just just to sum that all up, the subject of preaching is always Jesus. The subject mm-hmm. of preaching is always the gospel, the, the good news of, of Christ. And so, again, you go back to the Bible. I think it's in Colossians. We preach Christ crucified, or maybe that's Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, Colossians, it says, him we proclaim. So we, we always want to, to make that beeline to the cross. We always want to, to take the text and, and see Jesus at the center of the story. It's so easy today um, in the 21st century here in 2023 to make it all about me. You know, I, like you said, I, I think that was a, a great illustration. Um, we see ourselves as the one slaying the giant uh, rather than um, Christ and, and the power of the he gospel. He did it for us. us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And, and so, we need to to make that the focus of our preaching every time. Uh, and, th- and there's some passages that it's just natural. It's easy to do that. If you're preaching through the Gospels, um, let's just say you're preaching the Gospel of John, that's not all that hard to do. If you're in the Old Testament and you're preaching through Chronicles, um, that might be a little harder to do. Not that I've known many guys to preach through Chronicles, <laughs> Uh, but Jesus is always there, uh, and you always want to, to make that beeline to the gospel. So that it's a, it's a skill that's learned. I mean, I feel like I'm still trying to master this, mm-hmm. and I've been preaching mm-hmm. for almost 20 years. Uh, but it's something that that you must do, and and that's where the the power of preaching lies. It's it's mm-hmm. the message. It's Him we proclaim. It's not ourselves. Mm-hmm. Here's an example to see the the beauty of how Christ is is hidden in in the Old Testament story, um, and and this guy Chris Roseboro talks a lot about this. That when you have stories about women who are barren in the Old Testament, and then God gives them the miracle of birth, that that's a <laughs> foreshadowing of the the virgin birth, an impossible situation, barren in a sense, that God gave the miracle of birth. Uh, and, and so, again, that's, an, that's a really uh, fascinating look at how, and again, I think we need to caution. I remember I was talking to a friend about this, and he said, you know, don't, don't over-spiritualize everything because it, it is a story. Uh, you know, the, the, the story of, of David cutting a portion of Saul's robe. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot that, you can say there that is going to draw out spiritual lessons. So I think we got to be careful not to overdo this, but I think as an overarching way, Mm -hmm. if you're looking at the whole Bible being a story arc about the gospel, uh, I think it's going to help you to, to be a much better preacher. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the role of humor in preaching um, I've got two little stories here. One, there's a cartoon where a pastor is is uh, got his elbows on the on his desk and his hands in his face, and he's praying. And he said, in his prayer, he says, "Lord, 
give me a good sermon to go with this joke. So that, <laughs> that's, the, that's the first one. Um, I, I pastored in England for seven years. And when we moved there, we had about a month to get accustomed to things. So I didn't preach for about two to three weeks because we were just settling in. And I got up for my first sermon, and I had a great joke that I was going to tell um, because I wanted to lighten, lighten the mood, you know, and, and connect. I wanted to be relatable. And as I, as I walked up from my chair to the pulpit, I just decided, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give this joke. I jumped right into the text. And afterwards, a lady came up to me, and she said, Mitch, you're the first American that's preached in our church that did not start with a joke. And, and if I had started with a joke, I think it would have really set me back and affected my ministry there. So, uh, so I try to learn, you know, not to do that, particularly in the beginning of the sermon. I mean, I'm, I'm sarcastic and I love puns. So, you know, a lot of times I, I will use humor, um, you know, like the Assyrians, uh, you want to talk about Nineveh and how wicked they are. They would capture uh, their enemy and chop their heads off. And, and the joke that I, I would just come up with when I preached on that once is that uh, it's a great business model because the Assyrians kept ahead of their competitor, <laughs> you know, and people, and it's, it's spontaneous and people, people laugh at that, but, uh, but, but I think there's a difference in, in trying to be clever. Uh, so yeah, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I think there's certainly a place for humor in preaching. I, I mean, think some of the, some of my favorite preachers, uh, they're just, they're funny. And it's, I don't think it's that they plan it. It's just, it, it kind of happens. And, and that's great. I mean, it's, it's a way mm-hmm. to connect with your audience. Uh, one of the guys I'm thinking of is Alistair Begg. Um, yeah. Pastors of big church in Cleveland, just a gifted, gifted expositor preacher. Um, and, and we listened to a sermon Sunday night uh, from him, and there wasn't a whole lot of humor in it. There, you know, there's a couple funny things that that we laughed at, uh, but there's some sermons where it's just, you know, you're in stitches the whole time. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. uh, so. He's he just he's able to make those connections, uh, and and I think it certainly aids his preaching. For me, um, I'm not that funny of a guy. I mean, there, there's occasional. <laughs> <laughs> where I'll say something and, and I'll get a few laughs, uh, but it's <laughs> it's just it's not something that I strive for, you know. I'm not like Joel Osteen who who starts off um, every sermon. I'd with like a joke. to start with something a little funny this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, that's he's that's not a preacher to aspire to be like. I think no, uh, probably no. all the listeners know that. Um, but it's yeah it. it it's something that if, if you've got it, use it, but don't use it to excess. Yeah. You're, you're not a stand-up comic. You're a pastor Yeah, with a, a, a sober responsibility to preach the word of God. But Christ had, you know, Jesus, when he preached great humor, you know, he, he, he called them foxes, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and would make fun of people. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that, that's good. I, I like the, uh, the importance of, of balance there. Um, Dan, you wrote, uh, and rather than going through this just because of time, uh, I'm going to put on the website uh, how you prepare for a sermon. 
but just in a minute or two, how would you sum up, you know, the, the, how you handled preparation? What were the, the approaches or disciplines there? And then we'll post this on the website. Sure. Yeah. So you got to start off, you, you got to have a text. Um, and let me just clarify, um, I'm not against topical preaching. I know you're not against topical preaching, Mitch. Um, I use yeah, glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, from time to time. There, there's a place for topical preaching, but I think the main diet always has to be, uh, or it should be, verse by verse, expository preaching, where you're working through books of the Bible. Uh, that should be uh, the main diet. If, if you pause and you have a, a, a five-week uh, doctrinal series or even a series on marriage mm. or parenting, uh, that's totally fine. But verse by verse, expository preaching, that should be the main thing. And, and for me, it starts with um, kind of defining that text of Scripture. This is a passage I'm going to preach on. And, and that just means that um, you, you kind of have to have a, a sense for the, the flow of the text. And reading that text of scripture over and over and over again, there was one of the early church fathers, I forget who it was, but I remember reading uh, what he said, he would read his passage uh, no less than 50 times, just going over it and mm. over it. And, and somebody would read it to him and, and you really, um, you master that text and, and I think that's so important. Um, so that's one of the things that I try and do, just uh, familiarize myself with the text. Um, I, I try and mm -hmm. spend a lot of time in prayer, um, both um, before my preparation, during my preparation, um, obviously uh, immediately prior to when I preach the sermon, but then also after I preach mm -hmm. the sermon. So prayer is, mm -hmm. is so mm -hmm. important start to finish. Uh, but after you, you have that familiarity with, with the text, then you want to do um, your uh, exegetical work. That just means where you're really, um, you're doing word studies, you're, you're looking at the passage in its original language, whether it's Greek or Hebrew. Um, you can use a lot of uh, online tools. You can use um, Bible software. I'm kind of a dinosaur in the sense that I don't use a lot of online tools. I, I do occasionally, um, but I don't even have um, Logos Bible software. That's a really, really popular mm -hmm. tool, software program that, that, that helps you understand. Yeah, that's what, that's what I use. It's wonderful. And that's what I've heard so many people say that I should probably get with the times and, and start using that. Uh, but there's, there's so many tools available today they're going to help you understand the passage and get to the heart of mm -hmm. the passage. Um, so that that's a yeah. really important step. Uh, and then uh, of course, just, um, you know, sitting down, outlining the passage, writing out the passage. Um, if, if you, some guys do a full manuscript, some guys just have an outline when they go into the pulpit, that's, that's more personal preference. Um, whatever works for you, uh, that's 
for me that the biggest part of the preparation process and and we could i could say a whole lot more on that in fact we could take a whole mm-hmm. podcast to talk up talk yeah. about that but um it's it's really something that you can't shortchange if if you're going to be a preacher of the word then you need to put put your time in and, and you can't get up from your yeah. study until you've yeah. put that time yeah. in so so you're you're not you're not buying the uh, video series on how to do a sermon in 30 minutes, I take it, from what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, there's been times where I've had very little preparation if it's a crazy week. Uh, but for the most part, for me, yeah. I want to be spending six, eight, maybe even 10 hours a week uh, preparing for mm-hmm. a sermon. So it's it's not something. Yeah, you yeah I think that we were always encouraged. We were always encouraged to take between 10 to 12 in, in the process. Yeah. And it, it, it's helpful too, to be ahead of yourself To I was always two weeks ahead in terms of my, uh, the, the major work I would put in, in researching. And then the week that I, I would put the sermon together, uh, I had my notes, I had my, the main, you know, the big picture and, and it's, it was just fun to, uh, to put it all together. Uh, okay, well, we'll we'll put that up. Um, I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. Uh, so so Dan, you and I will be co-hosting occasionally. Um, we'll still be doing independent podcasts. Uh, your your plan is to also do some podcast interviews with people about different subjects, and uh, we're hoping too, uh, just to let our listeners know, our two listeners, that uh, we're we're really wanting to have a podcast out uh, once a week. So that's our, that's our goal. So I look forward to seeing you next week. We've known each other for about two years and we've never met. So you're coming here to spend a couple days uh, with us. And I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's, it's been great getting to know you, Mitch. And maybe as a way to, to draw this to a close, um, Second Timothy four two is is just it, it's a simple word, but it's a powerful word. And this is where, well, let me just read it for you. Second Timothy mm-hmm. four, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in mm-hmm. season and out of season. Reprove, re- rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So we we see there this charge that the apostle Paul is giving to young Timothy and, and he reminds him that, that this is being done in the presence of God and, and three words, preach the word, preach the word. So you don't preach your own word. Mm-hmm. You preach the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible mm-hmm. word of God. And, and so that's something that, that I've went back to time and time again. I know you have, and, and really, uh, every faithful preacher of the word of God. We need to, rem- to remember that we do this task, this preaching task in the presence of God. 
and we don't preach mm, our own word mm. we preach his word and and so i want to be careful that i that i don't start preaching <laughs> to our listening audience but but it is uh, it, it's a sacred task and it's not something to be taken lightly mm-hmm. um and, and if there's if there's one thing that preachers of today need to have it's it's a confidence in the sufficiency of of god's word yeah. you don't need to yeah. try and spice up your sermon with you know using all that that modern technology has you can have confidence in the word of god and you can have confidence that his word will not return void mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so wonderful well okay great um we'll look forward to the next one and a uh, good conversation so thank you dan thank you mitch really appreciate it it's been a lot of fun and and enjoy the rest of your day you too brother take care bye Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.